morning, and uh, we pray that uh, the roads don't get sticky and that we'll get you out of here quickly. So <laughs> it's, it looks like it's sticking a little bit. I'm enjoying just seeing the mountains over there turn white for a white Christmas. Am I the only one that wants dreaming of a white Christmas for this year? If my mom was alive, she would be rejoicing and singing God's praises for a white Christmas. So, well, good morning, Grace Life. I'm believing for you and for us that this Christmas is a time that we are going to realize and have the revelation of His fullness. It's John's gospel starts the Christmas story out, and it says that of His fullness, Jesus, that we have how many? All. Somebody say all. That doesn't exclude anyone that we all have received grace upon grace says that he was full of grace and truth and of his fullness he has given to us grace upon grace I like the amplified it says spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing gift heaped upon gift does anybody want a part of that not just at Christmas time all the time that's right I want you to gently, kindly, and sweetly nudge two or three people around you and tell them uh, to wake up. And that's before I've even started. The last two weeks we've looked at from His fullness we have all received grace. And then last week we talked about hope. Uh, and I believe we presented hope in a way that it will give you hope not just during the season this is a time of the year I was learning this week that uh, I was surprised actually how many people really are struggling during the Christmas season. Call it seasonal depression, call it seasonal anxiety. There's just a lot of things going on in people's minds. It's a time where they're missing loved ones that they used to celebrate the holidays with or maybe that someone they couldn't get together with because they live a long distance away. Some are dealing with uh, emotional and mental upheaval during this time of the year and some are just simply saying that the world is hectic and it's evil and I don't have enough money to do this or that and they struggle. But we can have hope to cope in those disappointing times, can we not? I like what Luke penned over in the second chapter. Go to Luke, the second chapter. The Christmas story is presented here by Luke. He's penning uh, the words um, of this book named after him. And in verse 10, you know, this is the story of the shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I told you last week it's probably not December the 25th. It's more like August because the sheep uh, went to different places in the colder weather and the colder climate, but they are out watching the sheep by night, so it's a warmer climate, most scholars believe, but we do celebrate it on December the 25th. It's not a pagan day. It's a holy day that we're taking back. Can I get any help? It's not just a holiday. It's a holy day where we remember that the Savior of the world was born, the Savior who came to take away the sin of the world. I'll preach myself happy. But the angel announces to these shepherds, I believe that it is an announcement that still goes out today because the angel said that it was good news of great joy and it was for everyone everywhere. The announcements just wasn't for the shepherds. They got to experience that wonderful announcement that 
evening there in Bethlehem. But the announcement the angel said was for everyone everywhere of all time that it's a message of good news. Amen. And that good news is all about great joy. Help me, Jesus. I'm going to light a stick of dynamite and throw it out there. I know you're just enjoying what's and you're marinating in it, but sometimes you only get out what you put in. So get a little bit of joy about you this morning because it's a good news of great joy to everyone. Say, I'm an everybody. I'm a somebody. I'm not a nobody. I am a somebody. You are an everyone, and you were included in that announcement of great joy to all people. What you say? Would you say this with me? I hope it's going to be on the screen. I want you to say that. Matter of fact, let's stand together. This is a new declaration that we're going to make together, okay? Let's make this new declaration today. Let's say it out loud together. I have eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind to receive, a heart to believe, and a mouth to confess. Next part. All... All the good things God has provided for me in Christ. Amen. You may be seated. You have eyes to hear this morning. You have ears. You have eyes to hear. <laughs> Some of you are uh, got eyes to hear this morning. And I'm going to take my wife's advice and I'm going to calm down and slow down. We have eyes to see. We have ears to hear. I like this part. You have a mind this morning to receive and you have a heart to believe, then you have a mouth to confess all of the good things that God has provided for you in Christ. Won't you make that a habit? As you do your devotion, as you come to church, won't you begin to declare, I have eyes to see the good things that God has for me. I have ears to hear what He's going to say to me. In John the 17th chapter, verse 13, if you'll turn there, it'll be on the screen if you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you this morning. But in John 17, verse 13, Jesus is praying and he's talking to the Father. And he says, Father, I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy within them. Where's the joy going to be? Within them. One translation says, so they would be filled with my joy. Look at me for just a second. It's not your joy. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to work for it. You don't even have to earn it. It's His joy. And He has given that joy to you. The announcement of the angel was that it's good news of great joy. And here in John 17, as he's praying to the Father, he says, Father, I'm saying these things so that they may be filled with my joy, with a full measure. Children of God, good news this morning. You have joy living on the inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit down in you and with Him comes all of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Where was that? Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, tenderness, patience, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. 
I have come to find out in most recent years that I am not a producer of fruit. You and I have never been called to produce fruit. The Holy Spirit is the fruit producer. He is the vine. We are the branches. We bear fruit. So when we come to the revelation and the realization that the Holy Spirit lives deep inside of us and the fruit of the Spirit that lives in the inside of us is joy. So you are not only full of the Holy Spirit, you are full of joy. It's great joy. That's good news. Uh, and despite all that may be going on in the world, my, despite all that may be going on in your world, joy is important. It's important for us to hold on to our joy. Why is it important for us to hold on to our joy? Well, Nehemiah, the 8th chapter, verse 10 says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. No joy, no strength. But I just told you good news, you've got joy living down on the inside of you. So you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. That's good news. Listen, it's not a joy based on your circumstances. If I feel good, then I've got joy, but when I'm not feeling good, I don't feel joy. This joy is not based on your circumstances. Listen, it is a genuine it is a deep and it is an authentic joy that is immune to outside influence. Yeah, it's immune. Well, if I don't feel joy, how can I express joy? Because you're not going by feelings, you're going by faith. And the faith says that I've got joy inside of me because it's a fruit of the Spirit and I have the Spirit living inside of me. That's good news, folks. So I want to encourage you this morning. I want to help you this morning. I want to help all of us. And I want us to look at five ways that we can hold on to our joy. I believe it's crucial for us as believers to hold on to our joy. Not just during Christmas when we sing joy to the world. Because the, Jesus brought joy to the whole world. But he's still bringing joy to your world. And then when you understand and recognize that it doesn't matter what's going on outside you still have joy in your world and you want to hold on to that. Number one, stop trying to figure it all out. Man, when I got that this week, I was like, wow, that just smacked me across the face because I, I try to figure things out. I, I'm, every scenario was running through my head of why did this happen? Well, if this happened, then this is going to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then we're going to have to do this. See, I was addicted in my past. My addiction was to worry and hurry. But hurry dissipates joy. It'll just cause joy to disappear when you are in a hurry. But worry constipates joy. Blocks it up. Causes it to be inactive and immovable. I was worried about how to lead this church. I was worried how to parent my children. I was worried how we were going to keep the lights on. I was worried about how we were going to pay the bills. But see, worry and hurry will just dissipate and constipate your joy. But the joy that we have is an inside joy that's not influenced by outside circumstances. We've got to hold on to our joy. Proverbs, the third chapter. Everybody knows, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. But let's look at it this morning in the Message Bible. I like the way the Message Bible tells us about trusting in the Lord. Let's look at it together. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. 
See, when we lean on our own understanding, we're trying to figure things out on our own, and that will rob us of our joy. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I like this part. Don't assume that you know it all. Man, that's gotten me in trouble down through the years, assuming that I knew everything, and you know what assuming does, right? I do know the know-it-all because he lives on the inside of me, but I don't know it all. He does. Run to God. Run from evil. Your body will glow with health. Your bones will vibrate with life. When you try to figure it out, it will even affect your physical health. But when you trust in God and let Him figure it out, then your body will glow with health. I'm looking into the next year and I'm believing that we're going to live well. Spirit, body, and mind, soul. Next year we're going to live well. We're going to cultivate uh, physical health. We're going to cultivate mental and emotional health. We're going to focus on the temple. We're, We're going to see living well. But we can't do that if we're going to try to figure everything out. Look at this quote on the screen and believe this in your heart and repeat it to yourself. I don't have to have it all figured out because if I try to figure it all out, it's going to rob me of my joy. And joy is crucial because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Number two, forgive quickly. If I've learned anything from my wife over the last 12 years, it's to forgive quickly. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to yourself, not to the one who's hurt you. Forgiveness frees us from the long-term damage of bitterness. That word bitterness in the Greek is pikros, and it means hostility, animosity towards others, and it is a malignant poison. See, if I, don't, if I have unforgiveness and I let that fester in my heart, it's affecting me, it's not affecting you. It's a malignant poison to me. I give myself a gift when I forgive you for hurting me. And listen, in the new covenant, it is no longer forgive so you can be forgiven. In the new covenant, it is forgive as you have been forgiven, freely, fully, and finally. Hmm. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing one another, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you, you ought also to do. In other words, he gave me the example of how to forgive. It's no longer under an old covenant mentality that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven because there's no condition on the forgiveness of the Father towards you. He accomplished that in Christ. That's why I say that forgiveness is you've been forgiven freely, fully, and finally. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God... In Christ forgave you. I am forgiven. Raise your hand this morning and say, I am forgiven. Now I need to learn to forgive quickly as Christ forgave me. The joy, there is joy in the world when you are forgiving others. Number three, we not only need to stop trying to figure it out and forgive quickly, we need to remind ourselves every day of the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you even when you were in your sins and trespasses. Jesus still loves you. Jesus has forgiven you freely, fully, and finally. See, how often as believers are we listening to the gospel? 
Not to the gospel so that we can be saved again, but to the gospel that is good news about great joy that's to all men everywhere, every time, all the time. Uh, I'm going to encourage you this morning to stop listening to any preacher, ministry, or minister that produces fear. Because the gospel produces faith. But anytime you listen to, and I'm not, be, I'm not belittling anyway or anyone, we all preach from the revelation that we have. But I have to cut myself off from toxic preaching and toxic relationships. I have to cut myself off from people who are sour pusses, as my dad used to say. It looked like they've been sucking on dill pickles their whole life. No joy. See, the adversary starts when we're very young and he attacks our self-esteem, our self-image, and our self-worth. Because if he can get us to believe the lie about who we are in Christ, this, things like this, this, the enemy will say to you, you shouldn't what, fill in the blank. You shouldn't this, you shouldn't that. Or you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not rich enough, just fill in the blank. So because he's attacking your self-worth, your self-image, and your self-esteem. You can't do that. You can't go there. You can't have that. Just fill in. We all have blanks, that, something that we could put in the blank. But so by the time that we are grown up, we don't like people, we don't like God, and we don't like ourselves. But I believe that if we can preach the gospel, the good news about great joy, and we can continually feed our souls and our minds with the gospel, we'll begin to stop believing that lie, and we'll believe the truth of who we really are in Christ and what we really have through Christ. Amen? That's the gospel. Here's another one. Stop comparing yourself to other people. When you compare yourself to someone else, it's a trap, and it will rob you of your joy because normally you are rolling the reel of the history of your internal life when all you are comparing it to is someone else's external life. So you see someone that drives this or goes there or has that or, and you, can, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know how much debt they're in. You don't know how much misery they're in. You don't know how much pain they're in, but you only know your internal pain, your internal struggles, and you compare it to someone else's highlight reel, and you say, oh, it'll rob you of your joy. Stop comparing yourself to someone else. Listen, we are moving from glory to glory, faith to faith, victory to victory, not from vice to vice, sin to sin, addiction to addiction. That's not the believer's life. You are moving from faith to faith. Can I get an amen? amen? Glory to glory. Victory to victory. Listen, you are a masterpiece. You, listen to the good news and start believing that you are a masterpiece. Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete that good work. See, the work for salvation, that good work is final. It's done. It's a finished work. But the work that he's doing in us is an ongoing work. Mm, you are a masterpiece. Number four, to hold on to your joy, you need to laugh more. According to Scripture, it makes you stronger and healthier. It's time to laugh again. When's the last time you had a belly laugh? I'm talking about... 
deep down inside of you, it wasn't, <laughs> I'm talking about a laugh. Just bellowing out. When I get around Jonathan Dupee, I don't even have to be around him. He can just call me on the phone. And before too long, I'm laughing. But when I was visiting there over Thanksgiving, he knows that I am extremely ticklish to the point that I can't breathe if you tickle me. And he knows that, and he loves to pester me with that, and he grabbed a hold of me, and he's strong as an ox and wouldn't let me go, and I couldn't breathe. I, I would be like some of you women. I just about peed my britches because he was tickling me so hard. But it was a belly laugh. It was a deep down inside laugh. You know how much that freed me? Do you know the relaxation that I got after that? We need to laugh again. It's time for us as believers to enjoy life. It's okay to laugh, Christian. It's okay to laugh in church. It's okay to laugh at home. You need to laugh again. Proverbs 17.22 says that a merry heart, that phrase in the Hebrew there, merry heart, refers to laughter. And if you have laughter, it will do good like a medicine. It will be strength to your bones. You need and I need to get around people who are full of the joy of Jesus. Because who you hang around, that's who you're going to end up being alike. So get around people, some joy-filled folks, and let their hope radiate out to you. Let their joy penetrate you and begin to laugh again. And lastly, guys, if you would come and get ready on the music, listen to music. Five things that help you hold on to your joy. Stop trying to figure it out. Forgive quickly. Remind yourself of the gospel every day. Number four, laugh more. And lastly, listen to music. It will lift your spirits. Now, I understand that there's some music that some of you don't like, and that's okay, because I like some of the music you don't like. Uh, if you're a hymn person, praise God for it. If you're a worship person and you like the contemporary K-Love style music, by all means, listen to it. If you like Journey and stop, uh, Don't Stop Believing, or Faithfully, Chicago with the horns playing in the background, I'm telling on myself. Uh, some of you that are my age know, but there's some young folks in the back they are just shaking their head. They don't know who Chicago and Journey and Foreigner are. The right music at the right time can lift your spirit. I'm not going to read it all, but if you would make reference in your notes to 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, verses 14 through 23, King Saul is distressed. He's being oppressed and harassed by an evil spirit, the Scripture says. And it's literally got him, if you really can see the context of the Scripture and understand the Hebrew, he is physically ill because of the stress, and he is a mentally and emotionally just strung out high. He just wants to pull his hair out. He, he is just, you can see it in the scripture. He begins to throw things at David when he comes to play the harp. But the longer that David played this music on the harp, it began to cause this evil, distressing spirit to flee. It doesn't matter what you believe concerning the scope of that evil spirit or that harassing spirit, but this much is clear. The music that David began to play on his harp had power in it that caused that spirit to depart Saul. Go home and read that story. Make yourself familiar with it. 
the music that David was playing on this harp had the ability to interrupt the oppression that was in Saul's mind. And it wasn't just a spiritual deliverance that he experienced. He began to experience a physical deliverance and healing. Relief from the physical implications of this stress. The Hebrew word here is revoke. Revoke, which means to cause to have relief spaciously and widely. It would affect all mind, body, spirit. There is even medical research that has proven that in the right kind, with, when the right kind of music is played, that it can speed up in the physical healing process. Believers, we've got to be alert to music's ability to affect the mindset and the atmosphere in a way that it can reverse oppression. Has anyone ever experienced this? I have. I have definitely experienced that when I am in a place of discouragement or depression, playing the right kind of music at the right time will rejuvenate my spirit and that oppression will leave. I'll even feel stronger in my body. Joy can be felt and expressed and joy can be released. Now, I, we appreciate Rob and Jennifer coming this morning and their sons to help us um, in worship and I told them they believe it as well I know they do I've been around them long enough to know that there's music that can create an atmosphere we've already experienced some of that this morning in that atmosphere of worship that healing came but I believe now that as you understand it and you have a realization and a revelation of it let's stand to our feet this morning I've asked them to just let's just worship for a moment I believe there's some emotional situations that are going to be changed in the next few minutes i believe that physical ailments in your body are going to begin to leave and the healing process is going to be sped up in the next few days as you continue to listen to music and stop trying to figure it out you, you don't have to figure it out I, I, that's really a word for you this morning you don't have to figure out what's going on let just trust in the lord let him figure it out for you because it's going to physically and emotionally and spiritually affect you and bring joy to your life. Would you just open up right now and just begin to receive from the Lord as we worship Him for just a few minutes?